0: Saying of the Tone, in your retrospective, the show we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 9, Episode 2, which is titled Dead Again. The episode aired on October 3rd, 2002. Lauren, what was going on that week? 21 years ago.
1: It's a slow news week this week, so we'll say an early congratulations to Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, who tie the knot on October 26th. After the lead single of her forthcoming album failed to gain commercial traction, Simpson's father pitched a reality TV show idea to MTV. The result was three seasons of the absolutely awful show, Newlyweds. I can't say absolutely awful because I never watched it. I'm assuming that's Lizzie's commentary. That's my commentary. Uh, Nick and Jessica where Simpson in the infamous first episode, confronted with a can of chicken of the sea tuna, asked Nick, is this chicken what I have, or is this fish? I know it's tuna, but it says chicken by the sea. Cool. Mm.
0: Uh, that's, that's like that's like. I
1: remember they did like SNL skits about it and stuff. But
2: yeah, well, we call that a viral moment.
1: Yeah, like and these
2: it, days. it just feels a little bit icky in retrospect. Yeah, like it it has big like this is you know obviously this is 2002, so we're we're still about five years away from the whole like Britney Spears uh, melodrama. Mm-hmm. Uh, arc where it was like we we basically just watched a woman have a mental breakdown in the public eye and did nothing about it and actively encouraged it uh and while i'm not trying to compare the two it is an apples to oranges comparison a little bit it is still sort of the same flavor of just like you know haha look at this successful woman isn't she an idiot like it it was just like does she she's a pop star does she need to be a brain surgeon no like I just I don't and know. And we all
1: we all have those moments. I fucking called Jake's tattoos stickers. Like <laughs> shit happens.
2: Right. So like it just feels like, I don't know, kind of kind of icky in retrospect that we made such a big deal out of that and it just kind of speaks to my overall distaste for the format of of particularly reality TV in general but especially the the flavor of reality television that is essentially, hey, look at these weirdos. Like, I really hate, hey, look at these weirdos, reality TV, because it is so contrived, it's so silly, and it makes mountains out of molehills like this. And yeah, I at, I le- I at like
1: least it. like uh, competition, quote, reality TV, because that oh, at least. I,
2: I got something for you later in the episode. I cannot,
1: cannot wait. Uh, but It's better go than on- The
2: Amazing Race, though.
1: Lizzie, we're not talking about that. Daniel doesn't need to know our shame. Sweet Home Alabama, a rom-com starring Reese Witherspoon and Patrick Dempsey, debuts and easily cruises to a box office victory. I I had no idea Patrick Dempsey was in this.
2: Okay, I think I saw this movie in theaters for some godforsaken reason, and you could have paid me a, like, mountain of money. Like, you could have bet a mountain of money, and I would have never... Landed on Patrick Dempsey being the male lead in that movie. I don't remember that at all.
0: Like, I just
1: remember just... the posters. I never saw the movie, but I just he was remember second. The
0: he was second billed on Wikipedia, so and I didn't know who the third person was.
2: I so. yeah, I do not remember that at all, and I'm pretty sure I saw that movie in the theaters. It was probably one of those things where like my mom got to pick the movie that week that we were all going to see, and. Cool boy. I also feel like this is the beginning of Reese Witherspoon's brand. Like this is this is the beginning of Reese Witherspoon becoming. uh, Like I know she's already famous at this point, but I feel like this is her becoming a mega mega star. Like I feel like she kind of she kind of capitalized off of the um, success of this movie and like catapulted herself into A list star status along with Legally Blonde. And then like off of this, I think she also creates her own production company, which has made her like stupidly wealthy. Like re- people don't realize Reese Witherspoon is one of the like most lucrative, uh, richest people in Hollywood right now. Like Reese Witherspoon is very nearly a billionaire on her own, and yeah, like and it's all because of the success of the production company that she founded off the strength of her performances in Sweet Home Alabama and Legally Blonde. Like this is her like ascending to that level at this point.
0: The more you know, eat the rich folks.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, now now I'm on – yeah, theoretically, I think he's the fiancé. But anyway, uh, Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland is the number one song for its seventh and final week. Daniel, what else was on?
2: Yeah, now it's starting to come back to me. He's the he's the stuffy, uptight it, – it, it's a Hallmark movie. He's the stuffy, uptight corporate – New York. Bo- cor- New York corporate boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And then she goes home and meets the small-town dirtbag who, like, shows her what love is. Got it. I remember now. Yeah, I don't remember who the other guy is, uh, but, like – I, it.
1: This I was says like Josh it, something. I don't know. This says uh, it. Josh Lucas is the redneck ah. husband she she married in high school who refuses to divorce her.
2: There we go. So we 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 got it. We got there in the end, friends. Uh, what else was on that evening at eight p.m. Friends with the episode the one where Emma cries. Sucks to be Emma. Uh, at eight thirty, Scrubs with the episode My Nightingale at 9 will and grace with the episode bacon and eggs and at nine thirty, good morning miami with the episode power failure this week's episode had 25.1 million viewers tuning in directed by richard thorpe doing his 19th out of 31 previous one or the last time we saw him was uh middle of last season with secrets and lies and written by d johnson doing her ninth out of 19 and uh, the last time we saw her was the season eight finale lockdown
1: Uh, We have our previously on is brought to us by Carrie this episode and gross. We're starting off on this note. Carter and Abby are getting ready for work at presumably his place. And she's saying how like, oh, are you going to be ready? Like he goes, why your shift doesn't start for another two hours. She says, you know, there's an 8 a.m. meeting nearby. I might want to go. And then he pulls her into the shower instead.
2: Several things about this. Uh, Number one continuity error because yes. uh he says that her shift doesn't start for two hours uh and there's an 8 a.m meeting nearby uh but the radio says that it's the eight thirty news report uh so you know there uh, thank you daniel also they're playing goo goo dolls uh in the background for your uh contractually obligated bit of uh, late era er licensed music uh I missed
1: which song it was, and I actually like the Goo Goo Dolls. I
2: I have have a complete and total indifference to the Goo Goo Dolls, so I couldn't tell you what the song is called. And uh, third, and most upsettingly for Lauren of all, I have to point out that shower sex is the worst kind of sex, and uh, just don't. It It truly is. sounds great in theory, but it is truly terrible.
1: I'm leaving leaving, leaving it alone, because there's the part of me that's like collab chat brain that was about to just say some things, and there's the part of me that's like, no, we're on mic, so... Nothing, nothing saucy, Daniel, but um, Tell the people good. how you
0: feel, Lauren. Tell the people how you feel.
1: No, oh, because it goes back to an 11-year debate with me and Lizzie. Um, but then, so that's just, that's gross, and I'm like, <laughs> they're just, just, it's gross, and it's not how I needed to start this episode. Guys, do what you want to do. I don't care, but I don't need to see Carter and Abby doing this, whatever. Uh, and then Chen asks if Carter cut himself shaving, and she realizes, oh, it's lipstick on his neck. Which if you're fucking in the shower, you shouldn't have lipstick on your <laughs> right. neck, you guys. Also, like, like pick one.
2: Going going back to the, the shower thing, they really linger on it just a little bit too long. Like if it was right? just a, if it was just a gag and if they just did like the hey come he here thing her and in. he like pulls her in and then we like, you know, do a pan right. away wipe but transition. They, like, but they, they like they go the into feet. the shower. They go into the shower and then there's this weird, awkward, like breathy hug, and then they're like we linger on the feet. It's too much.
1: Yeah. It's too much. Like, it's borderline just, snuff film. If it was just the yoink, come here, fine, that would be kind of cute. But you're right. It goes, like, two steps too far where it's like, we get it. We really get it. Let's move on. Yep. Um, but then we see fresh med students are brought in and uh, – Frank goes gullible, immature, (laughs) vapid, and uh, Daniel, do you want to tell us who one of these med students is, (laughs) aka the only one who matters? The
2: only one that matters. All the rest of them are literally background dressing and literally will be gone by the end of this episode, never to be seen again. Uh, Aaron Harkins, uh, who doesn't get a name check here. Uh, We see her on camera, but doesn't actually get um, a name check until later in the episode. Uh, But she is played by actress Leslie Bibb, who uh, appeared in stuff like Iron Man's 1 and uh, 2, Law-Abiding Citizen, and Miss Nobody. Uh, What a perfect characterization of uh, what she's going to be doing in the show overall. Uh, But uh, she is making her first of eight appearances, and I really uh, was surprised that it was so few and that it was so short-lived. Like, she will be gone in relatively short order. Uh, so I was shocked to see that it was such a small number of episodes that we will be getting with, uh, Miss Harkins here.
0: Then, uh, do we have trauma coming in that Pratt wants to jump on, but Carter passes off some easy cases onto him and a drug seeking all throughout all of this, a drug, a guy's like drug seeking and trying to get some form of narcotic pain medication. And, guy fakes a seizure in front of the med students and Pratt just walks by him and says if it's a real if it was a real seizure you can't talk
1: yeah try again
0: yeah then so and one of the med students asks think it's always this crazy around here
1: uh, and I put here which we already spoiled but I said I bet we only see two of these characters after this episode I was wrong I was optimistic yeah, by I was one say you were very optimistic um, but then we see Luca turning away patients in the ambulance bay because they have no beds and he looks over to Abby and they share a small smile, and we go in with bangs.
0: All right, and let's go to our first audio clip after the intro. Uh, Romano's working on his physical therapy while he gives Carrie some guidance.
3: You're one sadistic bitch, you know that? Now give
4: me your middle finger.
3: I would if I could. Any emergency meetings get scheduled?
4: Just one. How about the spate of ER closures in the area? I've advised the board that preliminary figures show an increase in our patient load by 34%.
3: Would you take the Loschellas?
4: Sorry.
3: Which board member's ass are you kissing?
4: Now the ring finger, Robert. I simply compiled a report.
3: Nerve regeneration is a millimeter a week. I
4: am not kissing anyone's ass. And it
3: is not my dominant hand.
4: In fact, I only agreed to take on your responsibilities out of necessity. I'll be
3: back in my office in two weeks, and back in the OR in two months.
4: I hope you are. <clears throat> Thought about upping your Vicodin?
3: Ibuprofen. I want to stay clear-headed.
5: That's probably enough for today. No, keep going. Sorry, I have another patient. Don't get too comfortable, Carrie. Is there anything else? Just your continued support.
4: Lizzie. Elizabeth, how are you doing? Fine. Good. Well, uh, we'll catch up downstairs.
3: I heard rumors. All true, I'm afraid. The one face I miss seeing in recovery. I'm so sorry, Robert. What about my arm? What about not being there? How are you healing? Hurts like a son of a bitch. You? Any sensory function yet? Nope. It's a motorcycle accident. I have to go. I'm sorry.
1: I still ship it. (laughs) I still ship it. But for real, I love when when she's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, what By my arm or that you weren't there?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a very nice little nice little moment between the two of them. There's uh, acknowledgement of shared pain. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He knows she's still going through it. She, of course, knows that he's going through it. Like, it's just a it's a nice little moment between two friends.
1: Yes, 100%.
2: Also, uh, fucking, if you ever get hurt, not saying, you know, get your arm chopped off by a helicopter, but if you ever get hurt and need physical therapy, do, I don't care how torturous it is, do what your physical therapist tells yeah. you to do. Like, that mm-hmm. shit is helpful. It uh makes a huge difference. Like, I should not have the amount of function in my thumb that yep. I do. And uh, it was a fucking painful process going through all that PT. Uh, I... But it was 100% worth it.
1: I should not have the grip strength in my right hand to be able to rock climb with that car accident I was in uh, when I was 17. But my hand doctor sh- did a great job, and I followed my occupational therapist's instructions. And look what I can do for for listeners. <laughs> for, <laughs> I can wave all four all five fingers. Lizzie, you were gonna say something before I cut you. Off? I was
0: gonna. Say, oh yeah, I was gonna say like I shouldn't be as mobile as I am with my chronic pain, but. I'm still able, I'm able to walk around. I biked a bunch of places today. Ooh. After
2: I worked out in the morning.
0: Yeah, yeah you you great.
1: goddamn rock climb.
2: Yeah, they're they're not just sadistic <laughs> sadistic bitches, as Romano puts it. You know they they are, but it's for they, a they purpose. are so that and it's for a purpose. <sighs> uh, but we then go from there. We see uh, Shirley welcoming Lizzie back. Did anyone else feel like the? Uh, Camera looked weird here. Like, yes, that it looked like they, asked, they were almost in like heaven or something. Like it was I asked really,
1: Lizzie as like Corday got into the elevator and stuff. I was like, does the cinematography look really weird here? It's and only it it's only normal, in that it's shot. Just, it's, it's like the overhead lighting is too bright.
2: Yeah, it's it's only in too that yellow. It's only in that two shot of Shirley and Lizzie as they're walking, yeah. talking through. Which you know, I'm assuming is a steady cam shot because they're following them through the hall as they go. Um Honestly, to me, what it kind of looked like, kind of looked like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> like, it had, a, it had a very Grey's Anatomy look to it. A uh, little, little bit. Everything's just a little too shiny and a little too glossy. And, like, I just, uh, it made me very uncomfortable. Did not like it. Um, But uh, they follow, the camera follows Lizzie into the elevator uh, as the doors close. Uh, and we get a nice little, uh, nice little acknowledgement of, uh the the mark green that haunts us all with uh a muzak version of piano man playing uh on the elevator hearkening back to uh was all in the family uh mm-hmm. when they're doing karaoke yeah. um so just a nice little touch there again yeah. i like that they don't beat you over the head with it but there's just little little touches here and there
1: and i want to note here uh corday and malik are in the trauma room like getting it prepped for this motorcyclist to come in Mm -hmm. and whose films are those there's not even a patient in there yet whoever was turning this room did a terrible job (laughs) of clearing these films like a trauma's coming in they're gonna need that board guys come on it's nine seasons get this shit together yeah sorry
2: no but I, I i like how they they have her have her little melancholy moment Mm -hmm. in the elevator where she's like really you know focusing on mark and then she doesn't get a chance to really absorb it as as soon as the doors open it's complete chaos like it's just complete and utter chaos on the other side of the door as she opens uh heading into that heading into that motorcycle trauma Uh, but we see malik uh malik's chatting with uh, Lizzie as they're prepping the room about what was this girl doing on a motorcycle? And Lizzie's like, why is anybody on a motorcycle? Uh, they call those donor cycles in the biz. Uh, Carter then wheels the patient in with Chen riding the gurney, already giving compressions. The patient is already crashing. Uh, and uh, Lizzie does some palpating of the abdomen and uh, some nice uh, blood uh. oozes out of the woman's mouth, which, uh, oh boy, that uh that's not great uh so here's here's for lauren uh our patient here who we who we will never do anything with cuz she's essentially DOA they they basically uh you know call it right away as soon as she comes in um, but the patient here is played by actress Tiffany Michelle, who really is not that famous for being an actress, but is more famous for being a, uh, semi-successful contestant on the world series of poker, uh, as well as being a contestant on Lauren's particular brand of trash, uh, the amazing race, uh, not sure what year or what
0: season Lizzie,
1: it's 15 It's season 15.
0: Okay. <laughs> We'll for get when, there.
1: For when we get there. So,
2: yeah.
0: I'll, I'm sure I'll remember after
2: 13 more seasons of watching this, uh, watching that show. So, theoretically.
0: But yes,
1: absolutely my brand of trash. Thank you. <laughs>
2: theoretically, that makes The Amazing Race an ER movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Coming soon to patreon.com ugh, slash Home podcast. I would rather be probed with a chainsaw. That's fine. Uh, you won't be on it. <laughs> You're damn right I won't. Uh, we then, Susan then welcomes Lizzie back, uh, asks for a consult for, uh, th- there's a patient here, a guy named Milo, who claims to have swallowed nitroglycerin and is complaining of abdominal pain, says that he is a human ticking time bomb. Uh, and, uh, Milo here is played by actor P.J. Byrne, who appeared in stuff like Babylon, the uh, TV series The Boys, uh, and the uh, woefully misunderstood movie. Uh, <laughs> add it to the list of movies that straight white men miss the point of. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street,
1: which I have never actually watched through all the way.
2: I yeah, is a very good movie. It's a great. But, it's a great movie, but it, like yeah. I said, just add it to the pile of ones that like dudes just miss the point of entirely. Jordan, Jordan
0: Belfort is not a role model, people. No. And,
2: and I mean, it's a good movie. I like it, too. But, like, that doesn't mean that he's to be emulated. And I feel like most people just missed the point entirely of that movie. (sighs) Such is life. Um, And Lizzie says to uh, just put him on a saline drip and monitor him for two hours.
1: And I want to note, why couldn't Susan do this? Why is this a... Surgery consult maybe because of the abdominal pain, but like yeah, maybe she ba- she doesn't touch him at all. She's just like, Neh. okay, put him on saline. So it's just because of
2: like, because
0: it, if it's actually nitroglycerin, you want to you probably want to cut him open and get that out. But
1: it, they don't check or anything. They just go, I don't huh, know. he's weird. All right, put him on saline. Like,
0: or there's no exam. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, we find out that Mission Hospital and St. Paul's, both hospitals, if they are exist, I am unfamiliar with. Uh, hence, the higher volume of patients. Uh, Carrie has been away more, and Lizzie says it's because she's gunning for Romano's job. Mm. Hmm. Sure, that won't come. I'm sure that won't come into play at all. Not at all. Uh, man. Guy says the man in the curtains next to him stopped breathing, and a woman Alma is brought in from the gang shooting, and she is asking where her boyfriend Ricky is.
2: And uh, Alma here is played by actress uh, On Anaua. Oh no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rodriguez, oh. uh she had recurring roles in uh the big big on the reboot circuit uh is uh, Miss Rodriguez here. She was in the Perry Mason reboot, the Hawaii 50 reboot and the Veronica Mars reboot. So great for her. I guess Veronica Mars could you could argue is more of a continuation than a reboot, but yeah. it was it was after the original run of the show had ended.
1: Then we go over to Pratt saying the med students are still waiting and Carter says, "Oh Pratt, you handle it." You go you go give him the tour. You go take care of it. I'm busy. You go do it. Which is Carter's whole thing today: is I'm busy. You do it. Um, and Lizzie tells Halle to take um, the dead woman. This is the dead woman. My notes are wrong. The dead motorcyclist out of trauma, so they can work. And Alma can't feel her legs. That's not good. Is this the first? Um, uh, is this
2: the first scene where we get a, the the first real look at like yeah. uh, Halle 2.0? Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Here, yep. Pro- they comment on They do comment later, on But it, here yeah. is where we actually see um, the weight loss and everything. And then we learn Galant is on psych rotation and can't help with moving the body. To which I like, guess you can. Just fucking do it. Um, Milo, our nitroglycerin boy, runs into a wall and is confused why he doesn't explode. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's
2: not Grey's Anatomy. That fucking take kills me. When yep. I watched this episode, because he he commits my man yep. commits to the bit. And you know how much I love a good commitment to a bit just runs yep. full speed ahead into the wall. And then the confusion when he's on the ground, I didn't explode. Yeah, <laughs> so, so good. good.
1: Um, yeah, just it was what we all needed this week. But then we go back to the Alma trauma. She was shot through the neck they go to do her x-rays but Luca's doing an ultrasound an abdominal ultrasound and tells them to stop because she's pregnant why does Luca always get the pregnancy cases am I does it does that just seem to be how it's been lately because he is a man
2: of faith I'm gonna I don't I'm, know. I'm gonna do a Lauren here and I'm gonna be pedantic and I think it was Carter who was doing the the ultrasound because there's a thing Oh,
1: yes you're right there's a there's you a twist
2: have... later involving Luca that i feel I feel like it was Carter that was doing the ultrasound.
1: you could very well be right. I'm not certain enough to argue with it, so I will take it <laughs> um Listeners will correct one of us either way uh but then Ricky is brought in and he's screaming and flailing because he hasn't sat still long enough for them to give him any drugs to calm him down or you know help with the pain.
0: you know, I can't imagine that you one would be of sound mind after they've been shot in the arm like. That just seems like he's probably he might be overreacting. But then again, I've never been shot in the arm, so what the fuck do I know? Right.
1: But you did break both of your arms in one go.
0: That was that was hor that was horrific, and
2: I never want to do that again.
1: Good, we won't we'll mind try yourself not on the to.
2: stairs, people. And Ricky here is played by actor Amori Nolasco, who uh, appeared in uh, stuff like A Good Day to Die Hard, Transformers, and a very recurring role, like more than 100 episodes recurring of the TV series Prison Break. And I'm like, this guy is definitely an oh, hey, it's that guy. He is like, um, what's that other Hispanic uh, oh, hey, it's that guy actor whose actual name is Hector, and he seems to play... Hispanic gang gang bangers in everything he's in that are also like he's in the Fast and Furious movies and like he's in like some of these other things and like dude it just plays if you need a Hispanic looking uh streetwise gangster guy he's your guy but I feel like this guy is second on the call sheet behind that guy like he is <laughs> he is the one you need when you need kind of a slightly dirtbaggy looking Hispanic guy
1: oh yeah um hold on He's also a motivational speaker which kills me. Um yeah, I I recognize the guy you're talking about from uh he had a scene in Bruce Almighty as a hood. <laughs>
2: yeah, see like he, that's, uh, he plays the yeah. same character in every movie? Like it's just yeah. you know, they change the name occasionally, but like and I think his actual name is Hector, but I'm not sure.
1: Uh no, his name is uh Noel. Oh, okay. Guglielmi
2: but yeah, he's the same guy in almost every movie.
1: His Wikipedia says he's an American actor best known for his portrayals of Southern Californian gangsters.
2: <laughs> See, I told
0: you. Uh, he Is has that re- a s- specific flavor of gangster? He has
1: received some notoriety for having played characters named Hector in several movies <laughs> and TV shows.
2: See, I told you. I told
0: you. So it's there
1: a, you go completely thing. unrelated to this actor.
2: Uh right but i feel like another actor
1: we're talking about but yes
2: but i feel like it, you know you probably start when you're when you're yeah. outlining your budget like and your 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 character outlines you probably start at Danny Trejo realize you can't afford him call that that guy and then if that guy's not available you call this guy
1: you call Ricky <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and we should we should also note um Ricky's a gang member screaming about vengeance screaming about revenge you know, saying they got theirs, you should see the other guy, all that stuff. Um, and then we pivot over. Lizzie is having Alma wheeled up to surgery right away.
0: And as she is, uh, this random old woman who will make multiple appearances throughout the episode is just screaming, You're one cold-hearted bitch. I don't have any pity for you, whore. And, like, just the most vile things that they can allow on network television. I'm sure if this was real life, there'd be far more cursing. Um, but yeah, she's a random woman in soft restraints in the hallway screaming at her.
1: And, and then, part of me has to wonder here because like, Corday doesn't just look like insulted, like oh my god, what? Like she doesn't just look shocked about this. She's genuinely stopped in her tracks for a minute, and part of me wonders if she's been feeling this way about herself just with how she's been coping the last few months, mm. and like this whole episode, she's kind of. Like really dejected and like distant from her patients, she's very yeah. Like I'm snapping because I can't think of a better way to describe it. Very just go 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 go. She doesn't let herself really sit and breathe in any of these moments, even like we saw upstairs with Romano. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is almost like her internalizing what this woman is saying and being like, sure. "Fucking seriously." I could totally be pulling an AP English and reading <laughs> way too much into that. No, I like it. That, I, I'll, though, I'll buy it the way Elizabeth genuinely looks like she had just had cold water splashed on her. That's kind of how I read it in yeah. some way.
2: And I liked, I like too, that they also take the time to sort of pay this off by the end of the episode yep, as well. hundred percent. Like they don't just have this woman as a sight gag. They actually pay this off at the end of the episode. And I'm happy yep. about that.
0: Uh, but then also in the hallway, Pratt's talking to paramedic Zadro to get out of the, get the heck out of the hospital. And Cedric like, I can't leave until my patient gets a bed. Them's the rules. And he's just chilling, playing a Game Boy Advance while he's waiting for his patient to be seen. Clearly, this is not the first time that this
2: happened. No, he's (laughs) he's come prepared.
1: Love it. I'm on level 12. Gary, put that away.
2: (laughs) Uh, which then leads us to Carrie going up to the desk to ask Frank for an update, and he ominously mentions here that Dr. Rydell's co- called to confirm your appointment, uh, which, combined with a few other things that happened later on in the episode, is arguably some of the most subtle storytelling that they've done in a long oh, time. Oh, it's
1: so good. Like, like, we know.
2: It's Yeah, we know, obviously, with the benefit of just, hindsight. But, like, I, I struggle to remember the last time that they just, like, kind of sprinkled little, like, blah, blah, blah stuff that was that was not just us reading too much into it but is legitimately them setting something up f- for a little bit later on.
1: Have we spoiled this for Jake yet? I, not I don't specifically,
2: so. not specifically no, but I mean it, it it kind of I think somebody in the listener's response spoils it so we might as well oh. um but it's yeah, it's just really uh it's been a while basically is what mm-hmm. I was what I was thinking as I was watching this of like they really haven't done this in a long time of like actually not just us reading too much into things but actually dropping breadcrumbs for something that's going to happen in a little while beyond this and and if you put a gun to my mother's head and ask me to tell you when that actually happens that could happen three episodes from now or like four seasons from now i have no fucking clue it's coming up at some point but it's nice that they're like starting to drop breadcrumbs for it now um but in any event, Carrie then tells Gallant to turf one of the frequent flyer patients that he is holding on to uh, because he wants to examine her and determine for himself. So we will find out more about her a little bit later on. Uh, and, of
1: course, I didn't get her name here. We get it later on. but I uh, not
2: Stella, I believe, is the, yep, the patient's Stella. name. Um, but then we see Aaron, the new med student, approaching Carter. Carrie tells him that uh, he should be handling their orientation, not Pratt uh and uh then Abby Smacks Carter's butt as she walks by because we can't have anything nice as a society. It's a real
1: blink and you miss it moment, but I was just like eh. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Fine.
2: Uh
1: Guys, I promise I'm not this awful in real life. <laughs> it's really just these two.
2: <laughs> it's just this one thing. Uh, but we then uh, get our next big trauma coming in uh, a wrecking ball crane collapsed on a pedestrian walkway this feels like something straight out of like season one or two like this feels like this feels like the big like we don't have the money to show you this yet but we're gonna tell you that something horrible happened somewhere else in Chicago and like now you're gonna see the fallout of it this felt like a, a kind of a throwback. Uh, mass casualty thing Uh, but we get our first patient from it a guy named frank chambers who's really not as important as the one who is with him his secretary who uh is uh brought in uh with minor injuries along with him and she is played by actress jenna lee green who appeared in stuff like the loudest voice skin and a recurring role on the tv series sabrina the teenage witch helpfully pointed out in the notes by lauren
1: i love that a good 50% of our viewers just referred to her by her Sabrina name. That made me so happy. <laughs> just, I was like, thank you. I'm not the only one who did this. No, I appreciate it.
2: Not the only one. Uh, and then the we one. also have a guy being brought in. I believe he runs a flower kiosk. Uh, yep. That's his, his big thing. Ken. Uh, and he is being brought in with an injured leg. Uh, and then Lizzie's back in the elevator, headed back to the bed, into the
0: bedlam. That is the ER. And Hey, here's where we acknowledge. Halle's weight, a uh, drastic weight loss. And, she looks great, and according to LA, she's at 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 eighty five pounds and counting. Which, and ha- damn!
1: I was gonna say, wasn't it actually something like one hundred and seventeen? Yeah, and I feel yeah, like yeah. that was, was the number it, we yeah, had talked they, about. They sell
2: it short here at eighty five. I, th- I want to say it's at least one hundred and ten, if not more. Um, but yeah, she did a phenomenal job. Like, holy cow! Did she have sur- Did she have surgery as part of that? Or I do we know? don't know if it was ever publicly stated. Um, you know, uh, it, it was, I would imagine if she lost that much weight that fast, I would have to imagine there was some kind of surgery involved. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, that was, that was definitely, uh, the not, not to and this is not to take anything away from Yvette Freeman or anything. This is just that this, as was the style at the time, like gastric <laughs> bypass surgery was a huge deal in the early two thousands. Like it, it was yeah. a, it was the like, You know, not not that it was a trend, but just that it was like the new. It was the newest tool in the fight against you know obesity-related health issues, and so like it was the they had sort of perfected it to a greater degree, so that because gastric bypass had existed before that, but it was like much more barbaric. Like it was like straight up stomach stapling and shit like that. Like this was a little bit less invasive, and then of course you get into like the gastric sleeves and stuff like that a few years after this. So like this was definitely like the style of the time
1: sorry that was the fashion of the time uh but then we go back over to frank chambers trauma uh, lizzie gives him a chest tube to reinflate his lung and they try to pull his secretary from the room a couple of times people mention that she's his wife she corrects them every time uh ken has no pulse in his foot And his ankle is completely jacked up. This is the florist now. And Pratt starts talking to him about other stuff and just pops the ankle completely back in place without any pain medication. Excellent effects here. And Susan, of course, yells at him for not using pain meds before reducing the foot.
2: I was going to say. Which
0: he argues, hey, it's dead tissue anyway, so he can't feel it. Uh, He could probably feel it out in his
2: Ankle, yeah, uh, which is moving around a great degree. I was gonna say, the the accompanying audio effects, the Foley effects that come along with that uh, reduction are
1: foul, <sighs> vomit.
2: Anyway, uh, go back to
0: Frank's trauma and Lauren. Yeah,
1: his films are those
0: because <laughs> we see them actually putting up x rays. So, ah.
1: I'm sorry, I was so proud of that, I was so happy. <laughs>
0: Uh, Carrie and Lizzie are arguing about the best course of treatment. Lizzie pulls the uh, power cart. Or Lizzie pulls rank, essentially, being a surgeon. And uh, the se- secretary says she told him they were 10 minutes late to getting him to a meeting on time. Yeah, she
2: she specifically mentions that she tells him that he's 10 minutes late when he's on time so that, oh, so that he okay. will get yeah, places yeah. faster. So basically, she was rushing him for no reason. And... That's why, like, she's feeling guilty for. I will say that, like, this particular storyline, I feel like, is like the most underbaked of everyone in the episode. Like, hundred percent. Like, I, I feel like there was more to this that they could have explored, and maybe there is. Maybe there's a deleted scene or something that got cut for time. But like, it just feels like there's a little bit more to this whole story that doesn't really get explored, and I would have liked to have seen that come to, come full circle. Uh, but we then go and check on Ricky, who we find out has no fragments in his x-ray, and they're just going to irrigate his wounds. Uh, he then calls Abby a bitch, uh, and Luca, nice. Luca tells him to uh, watch his mouth. And uh, they then tell him that Alma is in recovery, but she may be paralyzed. Uh, to which he uh, charmingly says it would, be, would have been better if they just killed her, you know? <sighs> Boyfriend of the year uh Carter furiously taking notes in the corner uh we then uh see Abby gossiping with Luca about Alma being pregnant uh and it's kind of messed up that uh either one of them is having this discussion in earshot of Ricky uh because uh it's I mean yes technically well, they're not married so like it's not necessarily privileged medical information between a you know spouses uh yes technically the child is probably his but it's still this like ethical gray area
1: i'm I'm gonna well actually here because I didn't make it clear in the notes they're talking in the hallway about it and arguing if one of them should tell Ricky
2: oh fair enough yeah yeah you're right
1: still they shouldn't it's none of their fucking business but they're not saying it in his earshot sure sorry
2: uh we then see uh galot finally examining mrs. frequent flyer aka Stella uh she <laughs> She's going through her list of uh, ailments, uh, including that she's overweight, according to her, and she says that she's thinking about going on the zone for weight loss.
1: It was, it was... It, an old, like, when Atkins became sure. huge and everything. It was one of those. Got it.
2: I mean, yeah, there's always a new diet. Uh yeah. when 80 th- other things popped up at once. Yeah. Uh, she basically, at, at a certain point, just grabs the chart out of Glant's hands and just starts filling it out herself, uh, and he finally asks if she's having any depression issues and she uh, that's the thing that she blanches at which is such a like perfect uh, encapsulation of American attitudes towards mental health in the early 2000s (laughs) of just like you can have this woman come in with every ailment under the sun uh, and still have it be proven right by the end of the episode that there's something actually wrong with her. And yet when he suggests, hey, do you want to talk to somebody about your mental health? She's like, well, I'm not crazy. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, oh, like you know, even the hypochondriac doesn't want to be the, the supposed hypochondriac doesn't want to be labeled a mental health case. Like that just is so like it doesn't even make me mad. It just makes me laugh almost of just like this is such a perfect presentation of the way the the, the kind of attitude we as a country had towards mental health even just 20 years ago. It's wild. Um, But uh, Galat wants to talk to Carrie about this one, but uh, she uh, ultimately blows him off. Uh, And uh, our patient here, Stella, she is played by actress uh, Diane Delano, Delano, who appears in stuff like The Wicker Man, uh, Popular, and uh, alongside uh, our very own Mark Tiberius Green, May He Rest in Peace, Uh, Miracle Mile, the uh, movie that we covered in the Mark Green retrospective. Uh, about him getting, a, it's, it's him and his future wife, Mayor Winningham. Uh, he gets a phone call on a payphone about the incoming nuclear war, uh, and him and Mayor Winningham basically spend their last day on earth together kind of thing. It's very, uh, it's a movie I'm very interested in checking out. Uh, but he has, uh, or she has rather 131 credits to her name and apparently she's making her second of five appearances total. She also appeared in, uh, season three, episode 13 as a completely different character, Uh, but, uh, she'll be making apparently three more appearances, uh, as Stella here. So I will, uh, go on record as saying, I remember absolutely zero of this, uh, person, patient, and I am interested to see where it goes.
0: Now we'll go from there to our next audio clip here. Uh, Carrie and Lizzie duck into an exam room to talk about what happened earlier in the trauma.
4: I wanted to talk to you about what happened earlier. Oh, for God's sake. Who left a cadaver in here? Um, Sasha's a bit of a bad penny, I'm afraid. She keeps being moved around while they try
3: to locate her family. I don't mind, if you don't mind.
4: I'm concerned that you might be taking on too much too soon. Particularly in the area of trauma. Based on? What I saw earlier, a pronounced inability to work with others, a lack of professional respect. You're joking, right? Look, it's stressful, no question. But copying an attitude with me and my staff is not going to make a trauma go any easier. Carrie, I saw a dissected aorta. In, in fact, it only adds to the intense pressure that we're all feeling. Given my position, I didn't think it necessary to
3: come and seek your approval. We
4: all have our sensitivities. Quite frankly, if anyone has an attitude
3: here, it's you. But we
4: can't let them interfere. No,
3: it's you, with your insistence on being cow-towed to at every bloody opportunity.
2: <laughs> awkward
0: that's like the most awkward interaction you could ever have at work where the other person starts crying i have been on both sides of that equation it's not it, there's there's no winning no. there's there's no winner there
2: surprise crying is always a it's a bad time for everyone yeah involved.
0: The worst part is the last time it happened to me, I was like, I don't know why this is happening. I'm so sorry this is happening. Like, I was, like, talking through it. I wasn't just, like, overcome with emotion. I was just, like, involuntarily. Somehow that's worse.
2: Like, <laughs> just yeah. weeping. I'm sorry. This, you know, this, this, this never happens to me. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> and now Lauren gets to transition into... Uh,
1: fuck all y'all. Um, I don't want to. So then a gentleman in a diaper is brought in, AKA an adult baby. And I can't remember who is with him. That's freaking out about this. Cause someone's like, what the fuck? That's not right. And he's like, no, I promise. But I can't remember who it is that he's talking to. There is another doctor. Yeah. uh, Listeners can yell at me in the comments, but there is another doctor with him when he's explaining this. And he's like, no, this is, this doesn't need a psych consult. This is an adult baby. It's a fetish. Uh, he says, sir, when was your diaper last changed? And the man is able to answer. And he goes, yeah, I think he just has a diaper rash, which we can treat down here. He's fine. Just fucking give him some ointment. Which absolutely just killed me. 100%. Like, I love psych rotation (laughs) galant. And then Ken, the flower kiosk man, has sent Pratt tons of flowers, which, wow, uh, that was fast. Right. Um, And Chen asks Carter why Carrie was crying and moody earlier, bringing it to our attention that she has been crying and moody. Mm -hmm.
0: Then a man is brought in by the the, uh, Aaron Harkins, the med student, uh, and he was clutching his chest and sitting down with his kids. And EKG shows he is, in fact, having a heart attack and they need to get him up. To radiology suite so they can do some angioplasty, and the guy, but the guy starts crashing right away, and they won't be able to get the procedure done for 30 minutes. Oh, boy. Because
2: they're all backed up. And uh, he is, of course, brought in with his kids, no doubt soon to be uh, the uh, first and second uh, kids on the shitty kids list for season nine, just strictly because they're children and they exist in Lauren's purview. Uh, Pete and Derek. Uh, Pete is played by actor Robert Bailey Jr., who appeared in stuff like The Happening, uh, Bubble Boy, and did a voice in Coraline. Uh, and Derek, uh, played by actor Oren Williams, who has fashioned more of a career for himself as a producer. He was a producer on stuff like Millennials and Partners in Rhyme. Uh, but uh, also as an actor, he did appear in the uh, Martin Lawrence vehicle Rebound.
1: I want to know, neither of these kids actually make it on the list.
2: I think I think I might be influenced by Jake, uh, who was doing his, uh, you know annual pilgrimage through the upcoming yep. er season and he watched yep. this episode and was like oh these kids are going to be on the shitty kids list
1: absolutely not they're well they're well within reason they are not overly precocious they are not acting they are they're good they're good kids. <laughs> anybody who what gets any but no anybody who gets that joke let me know because that might be two people out there say, um, anybody who
2: gets that joke it's time to take your pills uh, <laughs> I did take my me afternoon meds. Uh, I I just that can't that for character a is over thirty years old.
1: Anyway, uh, Luca discharges. I can't talk. Luca discharges Ricky and tells him none of his fucking business. Alma is pregnant, and I just put, "Damn it, Luca!" Ricky insists the kid isn't his. That's HIPAA pretty...
0: does not ex- HIPAA does not exist at this hospital today.
1: But that's pretty much like all we. All we hear from that. I don't remember that going any further.
2: Yeah, not not really. That's 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 about it. it.
1: Really great setup there, guys. Uh, And then Frank's secretary is still waiting downstairs for a status update on him.
2: Waiting downstairs in that liminal space where uh, single episode plot threads go to die. Uh, And then we get, speaking of fucking Shadow Realm and like things that get dropped, uh, fucking Dr. (laughs) Kaysen. is right immediately back from the dead immediately pulled out of the shadow realm like Bleh! like as soon as he came on screen i was like oh oh god oh. right <laughs> this guy holy shit uh spooky asshole ghost and we're like i, I looked too because i was like we got to be getting close to the end of uh of case in here no no we have like five more years of case <laughs> like he this man is the he is the like dog shit on the bottom of the ER shoe. Like he will just continue on into eternity. Every time you think you're done with him, he will pop back up again. Um, So we will see more of him in just a second. We find out that a boatload of alcohol poisoning, uh, alcohol poisoned parents are arriving. Uh, They were out on like a spring break, uh, like booze cruise around the the lake. Uh, And apparently the 10 year old was the only one on the boat that was sober enough to dock the thing. So shout out to that kid. Uh, We then get the father coming in. uh, He's the father of the dead motorcyclist from earlier. uh, And I should have put his uh, cast credit here. But uh, Susan chases Lizzie down to ask if she wants Susan to take care of breaking the news to this guy or if she wants to do it. And uh, the father here, Mr. Huffner. He is played by actor Mark McClure, who appeared in stuff like Back to the Future, uh, the 1970s and 80s Superman movies where he played Jimmy Olsen, uh, the Christopher Reeve okay. uh, Superman movies. Uh, and also one of the Mission Control guys in Apollo 13. So, shout cool. out to that movie.
0: Cool. Time to watch that again for the 80th time. It's always a good time uh, to watch Apollo don't we go? Exactly. Surprised you don't call it a
2: miniseries. It's over two hours long. Uh, that, but it's a two hours he yeah, likes. Yeah, it's a two hours I like. I don't, you know, the, the and there's no like, uh, it, it doesn't kick off the like ACU at the end. Like it doesn't kick off the like, the astronauts will re- Oh, thirteen. Yeah, the, the these astronauts you're will return. The, Fuck off! I don't want.
0: You're living. You're living in the ACU, man. Deep.
2: It's very Ooh.
0: deep. Anyway, uh, we go back to the. The guy who was having a heart attack, the dad. Uh, and the little boy sees them call the dad's time of death. And they're like, whoop, can't lie to him now. And it's all very sad. But then suddenly, as P- as after uh, Kaysen and Carter have already left, but it's still Abby and Pratt in there, suddenly he gets fl- uh, flickers back into VTAC instead of just being flatline. And Abby says they pronounced him. You sh- do not shock this man. They've been going at him for they had been going at him for forty minutes at that point. So there is no brain left in that. In that, even if you brought the heart back, uh, but Pratt shocks him anyway. Fuck you, Pratt. Uh, let's and they get him into they get him back into sinus rhythm, and Abby has to start bagging him. And the little boy says, he said the little boy says he shouldn't have made his dad play ball when he was tired and cars like and cars like do you want to see him and say goodbye and then Casey and Carter walk in and are like what the fuck dude
1: and of course the kid's elated because he thinks his dad's fine uh.
0: yeah because he's a 10 he's 10 or, or whatever he has no concept of life and death and, and what, brain death yeah and the intricacies of many ways you can die without actually dying
1: <laughs> Lizzie Dumb ways to die
2: Pratt
0: Pratt's oh. shocking
1: uh
2: the dude here, like especially after Abby tells him not to, like, has it reminds me of that meme of uh Ralph Wiggum where he like gets launched through the window like a grenade. Like that's <laughs> that's Pratt here where like he's just like, Fuck it, I'm doing it. <laughs>
1: Yeet. Uh, and then we switch over, Lizzie tells The motorcyclist's dad, what happened, and is just very, very dry with the facts, can barely keep eye contact with him, and then just kind of walks away, like, doesn't sit with him with it at all, which is very unlike her, and uh, Susan sees this as the man is in absolute agony, sitting in a chair in the hallway, just losing his mind. Yikes.
0: Let's go into another audio clip here. Uh, Pratt is listening to Carter and Kaysen argue in the next room
5: nobody walks out of a hospital after 40 minutes of cpr there was improvement from v-fib to v because he's either dead or should be dead which means your resident is either cruel stupid or both he saw a shockable rhythm in the sitting of thrombolytics It could have taken 30 minutes for the t and K to open up the coronary artery are you defending this he had to make a split second decision and he thought he was acting in the best interest of his patient well he was wrong and now we have a vegetable with a pulse on our hands well our names are on the chart not yours Dr. Pratt and I will take full responsibility for any negative outcome. Oh, you bet your ass you will.
4: Hey, I um, just want to
5: say thanks for backing me up like that. It's you, President, and a cardiologist with more than 25 years of experience pronounce a man dead and you decide to resurrect him. Yes, but just like you said. Do you think I defended you because I like you or because I approve of the way that you practice medicine? You are my responsibility. You are my job. And I'm doing mine. If you wanted to shock, you could have stat-paged me overhead. I could have been here in a second, and we could have discussed it. Instead, you go off without any regard for authority or even the best interest of your patient. Now, that's not true. I mean, the guy's got kids. He's got a wife. I was just trying to save him. You brought not... the man back, Crap, because you felt like it. Because you wanted to see if you could. Ah. Harsh, but fair. He's got a point.
1: Yeah, I love how he's like, no, it's my job. Like, I don't believe, like, what you did was right, but it's my job to cover your ass.
2: Yeah, it's not exactly the same dynamic, like, one-to-one, but it did, this, this whole uh, thing here kind of had flavors to me of uh, Mark and Doug like this had kind of a like you know you just wanted to go off on some cowboy shit to see if you could and like I I like this is to me this was a little bit of a growth thing for Carter of like seeing how far we've come with this character and Mm -hmm. you know even though I don't love where he's at in his personal life I do have to sort of like give a little bit of credit to where he's at professionally that he has grown somewhat as a doctor and can sort of take on a little bit of a Mark role here and be, be mm-hmm. the person who's like, yeah, I'm sure you great. What you did was amazing. And I'll stick up for you with, you know, the guy from the other department, because like he said, you're my responsibility, but like, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but at the same time, I'm not going to condone what you just did. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come in here and like high five you for it. Like that was fucking stupid. And it, so it's just, it had very similar sort of like flavors to me of the, the Mark and Doug dynamic of just like, Mark was always able to call Doug on his bullshit when he was, you know, doing stuff just to see if he could do it or just to prove a point. Like that's absolutely what Pratt was doing here, of just like going off on some cowboy shit just to see if he could because he wanted that rush. He wanted to to he wanted to save this guy for these kids, which is you know admirable in a vacuum, but when you consider the the larger consequences and the larger picture, right. it was not the right thing to do.
1: And I think part of that with Pratt, though, is that's something that's going to come with experience, like, in the moment, because of where he's at as such a hothead, he's going to be like, yeah, fucking shock him, let's go, right. and not necessarily have that wisdom of, oh, heartbeat ain't always good beat. Right, and that, and that he had been <laughs> down
2: for, like, I think they said 40-some minutes at yeah. that point, like, you know, yeah. you're not, th- there's just no hope at that point.
0: Yeah. But, but Pratt likes to play God. But so, oh, with that but being so st- did Doug. Like
2: I said, there's a lot of yeah. you know. Yeah. I I, I, I will. It's probably going to come up a lot over the next seven you know seasons. That like there's a lot of Doug Ross and Greg Pratt. Like there's a lot of the that yeah. character in him. I
0: could see even it. after he evolves into the Pratt we all know. Right. Oh. That, oh. Yeah. And I think
2: there's probably you know an, an argument to be made that like that version of that character is the. Uh, like the ultimate end game of where you could have gotten to with a Doug Ross yep. had he been there for the full run.
1: Yep. With all that being said, Pratt goes in to check on the dad and if he's going to wake up. Um, He has to explain to the sons that dad may not wake up. And he then uh, takes the kids to the cafeteria for some food. And he's like, I'll show you where the, where the doctors eat the good food and stuff. And Carter sees him walking by and, kind of shakes his head and i'm not sure if carter's going like wow that's a really good like emotional move or if he's just like this guy's a fucking idiot all around i couldn't quite tell how to read that from carter i think he was a little impressed by it but i wasn't sure um, yeah it could
2: be read it then, could be read either way and i but i do think it yeah. it is a nice like like i i still like i will maintain over and over again over the next seven seasons that like Pratt's growth arc is one of the most complete and one of the best Mm -hmm. like most well done growth arcs in the entire history of the show and there's very with a few exceptions there is very little wasted motion with Pratt's arc like there's very little time I feel like where he is just there doing nothing or is just just set dressing and so like I always feel like they do make very intentional choices with his character of, of like even when he's being stupid there will still be times and moments where you can go, all right, but he's learning something like he's, he's yep. becoming better. Even, even in the times where he fucks up.
1: Yep. Um, and then because this, they just keep wanting to put it together. Like guys, did you know, Abby and Carter are together? Hey, again? Y'all
2: did y'all uh, know they fucking,
1: uh, Abby walks over and gives Carter a shoulder massage at the, at admit as they talk about what their plans are for the night.
0: Probably more fucking.
1: nope. no, <laughs>
0: Hopefully not in the shower. Hmm. At this point, I'm just I'm, at, the, at this point, I just exist to annoy Lauren. Uh, and I'm succeeding at my job.
2: Well, they get interrupted by a woman coming up asking for help locating her husband, and it turns out she is the uh, heart attack patient's wife. That's awkward. Uh, they bring her into the trauma room uh, where he is still hooked up to the vent, and Carter, you know, asks the uncomfortable question of if he had ever left wishes for a situation like this does you know and and she basically is like you know he i think she says he's like 49 or something like that he's in his 40s you know so like we had never talked about this you know and you know he has to be the one to ask does she want to sign a dnr or does she want them to take heroic measures if his heart stops and she asks if it's the right thing to do and carter you know Again, no these are more a little like the the there was a discussion happening on the Discord last week about how season 9 is essentially them for better or worse them trying to pivot f- from the ensemble show that they had been for the previous 8 seasons into this is now the John Carter show. Like this is now yep. the show where Carter is the main character. And so, like, there is a little bit of that happening here. I don't hate it, but there is a little bit of that happening here where, like, he starts off by being like, you know, oh, I can't make this decision for you. And then she, like, weepily asks him, like, is it the right thing to do? And then it kind of does this, like, slow pull in on Carter's face. And you can see him being like, yeah, I'm the one to answer this question. He's like. Yes. Like, it's just, you know, it's a little bit of the, like, hey, don't forget, this guy is perfect, and he's the, you know, the, the leader of the team, and this is all about him. And so, you know, it was really fast If you're be- interested in it at all, it was a really fascinating conversation in the Discord last week, just about how, like... Season nine is them going, all right, this is now the John Carter show. And then by season 10, them going, actually, fuck that. Forget all of that. We're going back to the ensemble thing. Just forget we said all of that. <laughs> like, season nine is kind of this, like, standalone thing where they decided to try to make one guy the main character. Doesn't really work. And they decide, fuck it. We're going back to the ensemble.
1: And and I want to know here. We joke. I actually like Carter. He's just really easy to pick.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, he gets, He gets. Uh, he gets some of the best and worst that the show has to offer like he gets some of the best stuff and he gets some of the absolute and he sometimes makes really like he sometimes makes chicken salad out of chicken shit like he really yeah. makes the best out of bad stuff that he's given and then other times you know like I said they just try really really hard to make you like him and that's always repellent like that's always that that never works you know like it just it, it's it, anytime audiences are told who to root for it almost always ends badly
1: wrestling. Lizzie, you were going to say something? Sorry.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, though, it is, in fact, the right thing to do to sign a DMR for this man who will have zero quality of life whatsoever. we're we're,
1: we're not denying that, but it's just the way he goes, I can't tell you to do that. Two
2: seconds later, yes, I
1: can. can.
2: can. Yeah. (laughs) He's like,
1: that's more. Am
2: it. I the chosen one? It's a, it's that meme of like, am I better than everyone else? Like he,
1: or no, it is the kids that are <laughs> right. wrong.
2: It's just a little little bit of the chosen one syndrome happening here.
0: Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the woman thanks Galan for her help for his help and support, and it's the one the old lady who was yelled when the, that was in restraints and yelling at uh, Lizzie earlier, and she just needed her clonapin, which fair. That. That shit calms you down.
1: Yeah. Gallant just is like, yep, and this is why you need to stay on your medicine. (laughs) Uh, But then Carrie yells at Gallant for getting labs for Stella instead of sending her home. And her results came back with some hypothyroid. And Gallant's like, this points to every complaint she's ever had with us. If anybody had run this test, like, blah, 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 blah. And Carrie goes, great. Uh, Now you have those results. Get her out. Just, just be done with it and then carrie says i feel like crap i'm going home i,
2: I do love the um uh, for lack of a better word the the like the code switch the tone switch that, sh- that she does there where she's like she yeah. is berating him you know like don't, you know you are here you yeah. are here as a psych resident you are not part of this er team you don't don't you order stuff that, and then she's like I feel like crap. I'm going home. What are you doing tonight, Galant? Like she just like on a dime switches turns it switches off. it off and goes into like now it's just now it's just Carrie talking to Michael. But like a second ago, it was Weaver yeah. like reading Galant the Riot Act, and I just love I love where her character's at at the moment. I love how professionally confident she is and how she's letting her personal life kind of catch up a little bit as well. And like I'm just a big fan of where Carrie's at at the moment.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, but we then uh, see Mr. Royston's sons pull Abby in because something is wrong with him. He is crashing, and it turns out Mom did, in fact, sign the DNR. And the boys don't really understand what that means because uh turns out the 9- and 10-year-old don't really understand the concept of brain death and uh, how just because their dad's still breathing doesn't mean that he's actually still alive. And so Abby has to kind of, like, haphazardly explain that it means that your dad is too sick for us to try and save him uh And the kid, of course, begs Pratt to help, and it's just <sighs> it's a lot it's all your fault, it's all your fault <laughs> it's all
0: your fault uh, things that only I get anyway, uh then we go over, Lizzie's just kind of telling everyone just to fuck off at the end of her shift she's she's done, she's had a day, and she gets the wonderful news. From Frank, that uh, Alma is a quadriplegic. Oof. So awesome. Life is great. This whole Everything plot. Everything turns out fine. This whole
1: plot had so much of a point. Like, there was so much reason to have this one. And listeners tell me because I couldn't figure out why the fuck they put this in here unless it was just to be a fucking bummer.
0: Probably just another kicking her while yeah, she's down. I think down. it's just a uh, cherry but, on the this
2: top of the shit Sunday.
0: Yeah, but Lizzie sees a group photo of the ER peeps with uh, Mark in the lounge, and Pratt is using Mark's old locker, not with a
2: permanent thing yet, but with like a written, yeah, handwritten yeah. handwritten yeah. Thing. sticker on the, the the tape on the thing. I also think Carol was in that group photo as well. Like it's there's definitely green. It, it was, was definitely old, old yeah. and and it almost had the look of like a a candid shot, like not necessarily a production still or anything like that. Like it had like a yeah. real candid shot look to it, and it had. Um, it had several of the the nurses in the picture, but I'm pretty sure, based on the scrubs, I'm pretty sure I see Carol in it, too. But, uh, of mm-hmm. course, they're not going to draw too much attention to that. But
1: Yeah, I was, I was too busy doing notes. I didn't get it. There's never, like, a clear... I
2: tried to pause it a couple of times, and, of course, it's always difficult trying to get a, a clear screenshot, and I'm pretty sure that she's in there.
1: And then uh, we see Abby in the lounge watching Carter sleep on the couch. Okay, um... Luca comes in and asks if she's going to wake him up. And she's like, no, I'm sure he can find his way home without me. So she heads out without him. Uh, Pratt gets home and there's a big group watching action movies in the living room. Pratt kicks everybody out, uh, tells Leon that the guys were over. He tells Leon that the guys that were over are just using him and aren't actually his friends. Oh, boy. And Daniel, who plays? Leon.
2: Yes, we have arrived at Leon. Oh, boy.
1: Y'all, I I was going to say, remind me the context of Leon.
2: Leon is Pratt's uh, not biological brother, right? Like, he's his, like, childhood friend who is more or less a brother that is, I think he's developmentally disabled because of a gunshot wound or something. Like, he... Yeah, because of or some some injury. Some injury, to his injury. Yeah, but it was like... either either he got beat up or he got shot or something. But like that, something happened to him when they were like either teenagers or young adults, and that has caused Leon to be um, developmentally developmentally disabled. Um, okay. And it's a character and a storyline that not very many people like. <laughs> so, uh, nope. It's it's yeah, I i'll be interested to you know give it a chance and revisit it but it my memories of it and my my the, its reputation kind of precedes it as a storyline and so uh i don't have high hopes but we'll see how it unfolds uh Le- for now uh leon is played by actor marcello tedford uh who uh, appeared in stuff like employee of the month the uh show that we have had a surprising amount of fucking um alumni from in this show uh and i'm gonna make lizzie watch at some point playmakers uh i have to remind you that is espn's foray into dramatic programming where they did a one season tv show about a fictional football team uh and it was uh so like on the nose that the nfl basically told them to cut it out and they were like you want to keep broadcasting nfl games cancel this shit and so it got canceled after one season also it wasn't very good but it also was just like uh a little bit too close to home it was hitting a little too close to home for the old nfl so um but it is so hilariously early 2000s and stupid that like i i have the dvd set somewhere because it's not you can't find that show anywhere on any streaming service um and also in the movie that jake loves to hear about whenever possible uh volcano especially while in Los yes, Angeles especially while touring the city of Los Angeles with me. Uh the movie Volcano where uh he uh, he plays the the guy from the neighborhood who has the like, you know, hey, uh, cuz don't never forget. Not only is it a movie about a volcano underneath the city of Los Angeles, it's also a movie about solving racism, guys. So, uh we're going to fix racism with a volcano. And, uh, never is that more, uh, illustrated than, uh, Marcello Tedford's character in that movie where he basically like kind of fixes the whole Rodney King thing. Like he kind of, you know, we get a black guy who confronts white cops and it actually ends up turning out. Okay. And everybody saves the day and everything. It's just like this really weird social commentary on the whole Rodney King thing. And that's his main contribution to that movie. So... So what you're saying is coming soon to patreon.com slash <laughs> science Hey, Don Podcast. Cheadle's coming up in season nine. We have all the reason exactly. in the world to do Volcano just, just exactly. to upset Jake.
0: Anyway, uh, let's round out this episode with our last scene, which is also an audio clip. Uh, Carter wakes up on the couch in the lounge.
4: Hey, sleeping beauty.
5: How long have I been in there?
4: Since before my shift started.
5: Is Abby here?
4: Nope, but she left to post-it. And you still have a med
1: student waiting for you.
5: Hey. Look, I'm sorry. The day just kind of got away from me. Why don't right, we try again
4: tomorrow? No,
1: no, I don't think so, no. I've been here for 16 hours. I have been ignored and yelled at and called honey and sweetie and bitch twice. I don't smell good. And all I've had to eat is gummy bears and Diet Coke. I'm not leaving until I get what I came for.
5: This is the admin area. This is the center of the ER universe. This is where you'll pick up your patients' charts, order labs, spend the bulk of your life for the next three months.
3: Uh, How do you know who's next to be seen?
5: Check that chart rack right there. We see people in the order they arrive, unless the triage nurse feels they're of high acuity, and then they get moved to the head of the line.
1: Do you get to suture?
5: If you're supervised by an attendant. Weird fade out. Good
2: job, Carter. What'd you say? It's a weird fade out on the end of that. Little way out. Yeah. Like, just as, a, as an ending to an episode. Like, it was kind of an but abrupt... The, per-
0: the persistence, not only as a reporter in Iron Man 1 and 2, but also as a med <laughs> student. Med students, med students, singular. She's yeah. not like a twins or something. I don't know. My brain is not working well today, folks. Hi, how are you today?
1: <laughs> Been better. Uh, thoughts on the episode?
0: Uh, generally okay. Some a lot. Uh, there's stuff. There's a lot of stuff to like. A lot of stuff that kind of goes nowhere in traditional ER fashion. So, yeah. And yeah, the whole Cause... the whole heart attack storyline is just upsetting as fuck.
2: Yeah, it's upsetting. So like. like for sure, so, but I, I do think it is one of the better parts of the episode.
0: It is. It It is. So, like, I land somewhere like seven, seven and a half,
1: probably. Yeah, seven seven's fair, because you're right. Like, there are some really important pieces in this, but like, the whole crane that fell, great. We get a guy who sends flowers and a dude with his secretary that we don't really, right. like, do anything with. Okay, great. Like, those two were so negligible in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Overall, though, like, it's, it's a good middle-of-the-road episode. It's one I would throw on in the background.
0: We don't see anyone with the alcohol
2: poisoning come in. Yeah, yeah. It, like I said,
0: it, right? it kind of...
1: Like, it's just mentioned. It felt
2: like the early days of the show when they didn't really have the budget yet. Like, it felt like them doing a lot of telling and not showing. Like, they were uh, they were just like, oh, yeah, there's all this horrible shit happening, like, out in the world that we're not going to be able to show you because we don't have money for, like, on-location shots yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I would say, uh, my 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 standouts this episode for sure go to Lizzie uh, and Pratt, and with honorable mention for Carrie, like uh, just because of the like subtle bits of uh, the, the 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 breadcrumbs they're laying for what's to come for her. Um, but you know, it's the whole the episode as a whole just has a lot of like dropped threads and like things that don't really end up mattering that much and so like it ends up being kind of fillery as a result Um, and I, I still think that like you could have taken a lot of the stuff that you were doing with Lizzie last week and adapted it into this you know like obviously you have to change a few things like circumstantially and with the timeline and stuff but like you know I just feel like you could have given a little bit more time to what was happening with her in England last week in this episode let her go through that whole arc a little bit more completely Um, because I I, I really feel like they do a great job in this episode of building off of the admittedly very kind of shaky foundation that's laid for it in last episode they really do a good job this episode of building on that and showing you kind of the, the struggle that she's going through with coming back into this environment where she is just like surrounded by memories of her dead husband and so you know not that there's nothing to like about this episode, there's there's good things to like about it, but I just I feel like they could have done with another pass on this script and like another there there's a better episode buried deep inside somewhere. Yeah,
1: but it's by far the least. It's not one of the most offensive or oh, outrageous no. ones we've had to watch. No, not
0: know. All right, but what what the listeners have to say about it, Lauren?
1: Uh, Alina M says, "Welcome to County General, where no one is able to deal with their feelings." <laughs> Excellent choice of Goo Goo Doll's song in the shower scene. Elizabeth obviously still has a hard time coping with the death of her husband. Out of all hospitals in Chicago, she could work. Elizabeth decides to return to county, where she is totally miserable because everyone and everything reminds her of Mark. And so she puts on a mask and decides to be as icy as possible in order to not deal with her emotions. The way she handled Sasha's father was absolutely horrible, though. That poor man. I hope Susan went to look after him. The only time Elizabeth softens is when she is with Romano, and she was nice to Halle. Alex Kingston was spot on, you could see her literally put on that mask, and put it off in the doctor's lounge. I don't think Alex ever got enough credit for her performance. Also miserable, dark and disconnected Luca. Never really understood what triggered this, and why was he judgmental to a patient again? And what happened to patient confidentiality? Hmm. The highlight of this episode, the highlight of the episode was Pratt's storyline. Not following the procedures worked out well with the kiosk man, but not with the father of the two kids. When he realized reviving the man had made the situation worse, his confidence quickly went away. To be honest, I never really warmed up for Pratt, but Mahai Pfeiffer really is a gifted actor. Heather R says, "Ah, young Pratt and his playing hero ways." Carter's because you wanted to see if you could is a line that sticks with me from this episode. But looking back, this was also a story that sticks out when thinking of Pratt's course on the show to see how far he's come and matured. Also, was Weaver's crying outburst and the comment about her being moody an extremely subtle foreshadowing to her IVF story? I remember at the time watching this and being so confused. It seemed like such a random thing that Weaver wouldn't do. I think I was as stunned as Corday. Aaron Harkins. Anytime I see Leslie Bibb in anything else, it's always, oh, hey, it's Harkins for me. I know a lot of med students come through the ER over the years, but she stuck out right away to me as someone they were going to stick with, rather than just have a few extras or one-liners in an episode. IMDB tells me she got eight episodes on ER, which both wasn't enough for me and also seems like it wasn't that many during her short run. Really not looking forward to this Bob. Franer W says, Elizabeth trying to cover her grief coming off as standoffish is really well done and utterly believable. Love the scene with Piano Man playing in the packed lift, harking back to Mark and Lizzie on a date on the night that Lucy and Carter got stabbed. No doubt adding to all the big feelings she is shoving all the way back down to her toes. Carrie has legitimate concerns, but handles it like a bumbling fool, leaving Elizabeth feeling like she has probably taken the right approach in pretending there are no feelings to feel. Side note, she hasn't. Also, can we please have a... Have you ever seen smithereens on a t-shirt? Or I'm talking to you, piss face? <laughs> Anything's possible with the shirts we've made so far. We never know.
0: Daniel, gotta... you clearly don't do enough of your job. Get on it.
1: No. No, people got to buy more of the shirts that exist before we just keep adding <laughs> ship post shirts to the store. You guys, we're at some point we got to stop putting ship posts up, and it's people got to actually buy the existing merch.
0: Was it? Is it setting the tone podcast? in the bonfire. It's in the. It, it, it's in the, it's 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 in like the link that.
2: tree. You go to the link tree. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's in the link tree. I'll I'll I link it every once in a while on the group page just to shill, but. No, it is. It's around. If you genuinely, if you just search Setting the Tone bonfire store, it should come right up.
0: There you go. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening as always. Still can't believe we're in season nine here. Uh, The show is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash we where for only $5 a month, can't get much for $5, but for $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to it, ...to any future cast and crew interviews that we, uh, that we may do... ...and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content... ...including the full season recap episodes. Trust me, Season eights was wild and you want to listen to it. A free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge... ...and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And we'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone... We're, excuse me. We are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram... And we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sanitone Podcast. Also, be sure to check out, while you're on Facebook, also be sure to check out our the official Tone community. A lot of wonderful people. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edm, Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Uh, folks can find me slowly becoming a social media monster on my Instagram at Lobo92345 as I learn how to make reels of my climbing videos it's
0: it's scary she's getting good at it Uh, thank you I am still stuck in Twitter hell I am at randomgamer that's jm3r on there Uh, thanks again everyone very much listening please join us again next time and have a great week